0: You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. This is where we begin our message this morning. You don't have to turn to Proverbs because it's obviously already posted for you. But as we... Consider what it says in Proverbs 28, uh, 19, 18, 29, 18. (coughs) It tells us that where there is no revelation or vision, (coughs) excuse me, the people perish. In the Hebrew text from which this is translated, the word for vision is a word which... uh, has a wide spectrum of use, but as it is used in this verse and in this context, it's talking about a revelation from God. In the Old Testament, it was not uncommon for God to make revelation to his prophets, genuine prophets, <clears throat> through dreams. And these dreams were very specific, they were revelatory, and the prophets were bound under God to accurately communicate what was in that revelation. That is the, what is meant here, where it says there's no vision. Um, it's talking about a revelation from God. In other words, it's just talking about where, there is, where the truth of God is not present, where the revealed truth of God is not present. <clears throat> it says the people perish, and the emphasis in that Hebrew term of perish is they cast off restraint, but literally means they run wild. They're, they're out of control as it pertains to God and His will. They're just operating according to their own desires, their own flesh, going their own way. So from God's perspective, uh, anyone uh, where, where God's word is not present, all they can do is operate according to their flesh, and they cast off the restraints of God's holiness and righteousness, and they just run wild in their sin. And so that's what it says in the Proverbs, but in contrast to that, happy is he who keeps the law, who keeps the word of God. And in our world around us, often the, the very opposite uh, impression uh, seems to be there that if we try to keep and live our lives according to the teachings and commands and exhortations of Scripture, boy, that is going to be restrictive and life isn't going to be fun and pleasant and, and happy because it, it keeps us from a lot of stuff that appears to be fun and pleasant and happy. and But the scriptures say happy, true happiness, genuine happiness, is a lot of those who keep the law. And for New Covenant, New Testament uh, era that we're in, it's just keeping the commands, the exhortations, the teachings of God. That's where happiness is found. It's not found in the compelling uh, run after the fleshly desires of the sinful nature or the, the world system around us and what it defines as fun and pleasant and happy and to be desired and longed after. But where the word of God is not present, the people will cast off restraint. That happened to Israel. And we go to the book of Nehemiah and we won't start with point two, we will start with point one, because we are logical. But in, I want us to focus on this morning, another emphasis on missing and missing the Word of God. We live in an era where the Word of God has been greatly diminished, and especially the uh, expositional, thorough teaching of the Word of God. You know, as a pastor, I don't get out much. I, I pretty well show up one place every week, and so hands-on reality, pretty much all I have known all of my pastoral ministry is where I happen to be. Uh, beyond that, uh, I have a, a network of churches and individuals and ministry organizations that, through which I am connected that uh, I have knowledge of who they are and What they do and what their priorities in ministry are and they're very similar to who we are and what we do and our priorities Um, but we're a fairly small fellowship in the bigger picture of um, Christianity in America and uh, but what I'm told is that when you get out into the broader spectrum of Christianity the emphasis and the exposure of God's people or those who claim to be God's people to the actual word of God is fairly superficial and somewhat limited. And if we're understanding what's happening with Proverbs 28, 19, or 29, 18, that is a recipe for those who are quote, part of the church in the broader spectrum of things to increasingly become a people who are casting off restraint because the revelation of God's word is not being thoroughly communicated in those contexts. That happened in Israel. To them, God gave the law. To them, God gave, and the law was a thorough revelation of God's call, God's expectations, God's purposes, God's blessings, God's curses. I mean, it was all laid out there. It's very clear, very specific in the Old Testament. And the, the nation of Israel was given the law. They were given the prophets who throughout their history were used by God, who were given visions or revelations, and they were responsible to accurately communicate it. And so they had a series of prophets that ministered to them and among them throughout their history. They also had the priesthood, and the priesthood led them in the worship of the one true God. And that was clearly revealed in the Old Testament, what that worship was, where it was to happen, how it was to happen, what it was all about, and the priests were entrusted with that. You also had the the, uh, the Levites, who were part of the priesthood. And their responsibility, in addition to temple responsibilities, was to be out among all the tribes of Israel because they had cities in each of the territories that the 12 tribes of Israel possessed, and they were to be the instructors of the law. So the Levites were also responsible for teaching the people of Israel the law of Moses and keeping that in front of them from generation to generation to generation. Now, all that being in place and all that structure being there and all that provision being a reality, it didn't mean that each and every generation of Jewish people embraced that and followed that. That's why we come to the book of Nehemiah and to significant portions of Israel's history, and we see that they reached out and they began to embrace the gods of the nations around them. And then they were drawn into the worship and the belief systems of these false deities. And by doing so, they abandoned God, and they abandoned the Word of God, and ultimately God brought judgment upon them, just as He said He would do in the Old Testament. This was not something that was just a reaction by God. He said, if you you do these things, I will will disperse you among the nations. I will judge you. And he did that. So we come to Nehemiah and uh, the period of Ezra after their deportation, first by the Assyrians and then secondly the final two tribes of Israel to Babylon. <coughs> Excuse me. And now some of them are returning to Jerusalem and to their land. And under Ezra the temple was being rebuilt again with much much opposition. And as they're building the temple <coughs> Ezra says Not only must we rebuild the temple. Excuse me. Sorry about that. We must come back to the Word of God. So we come to Nehemiah chapter 8. And we notice this step in returning to the Word of God. The people gathered. They gathered to hear God's word. And that's what we see in Hebrews 1 through 7. <clears throat> Follow with me. So they <clears throat> have returned, this portion of them, from Babylon <clears throat> to the land of Israel.
1: They're in Jerusalem.
0: And before Ezra, <clears throat> in his presence, it says, Now all the people gathered together. As one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra brought the priest, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. That's a few hours. Before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So he stood before them and at this point in time read. He was re-exposing them to the revelation that God had given to his people. Because they had drifted, drifted away and then ran away from God, and when that happens, you run away from His Word. So this was new for this generation of Israelites. Verse 4, So Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood Matthiah, Shema, Aniah, Urijah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and at his left, Padiah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashum, Hashadana. Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up in respect and reverence for God's word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen and Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherubiah, Sherebiah, and Jamin, Akub, Shep, Shep, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josebad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So it's vitally important that God's people gather around the Word of God. That was true for God's people in the nation of Israel. We see a consistency with that in the New Testament. If you'll turn, put your finger in Nehemiah, and quickly turn to Hebrews chapter 10, a passage that uh, many of you are familiar with, at least you're familiar with what it says here. But in verses 23 through 25, in Hebrews we read this, as this writer is writing primarily to a Jewish audience once again. Not exclusively, but primarily. He says to his fellow believing Jews, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us be strong in our hope in and of Christ Jesus. He he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. That's what we want to do. And in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. It's vital that believers, those who comprise the church, the body of Christ, gather together. That's what local church ministry is about. Believers gathering together for God's purposes. And one of those central purposes is the reading of God's word and the listening to God's Word, and the instruction of God's Word. That is is one of the central priorities of every local church. And every local church, no matter who they are, will be held accountable by our Lord Jesus Christ for this priority. Anytime a local church begins to diminish the centrality and priority of the Word of God, they're going against one of the chief priorities that our Lord has established. We are to gather together for among other things to give our attention to the Word of God. So that must be a priority in every local church. Not just our church, every local church. Having that as a distinctive really shouldn't be a distinctive. That should be a reality in every local church. If it makes our local church distinctive that we gather together and open up the Word of God, then there are real issues and real problems with the church at large. Ideally, a believer should be able to go into any local church worldwide and hear the Word of God, see it Witness it open and read and explain. But that doesn't happen. So he says in verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, exhorting one another in and with the word of God. And so the people of Israel, in Nehemiah's day, they had forsaken that, those generations. God judged them, and now that they're returning to the land, they're saying, let's bring out the law. Ezra, you know the law, bring it out and begin to read it. And they stood there for hours on end, hearing the word of God. And then, as we noticed in verse 7, and the Levites, those responsible for instruction of the word of God, help them to understand what Ezra was reading. You know what that is? It's expositional preaching and teaching. Read the word, explain the word, apply the word. Then they gathered to hear the explanation of God's word. Nehemiah 8.8. So they read distinctly from the book. Notice the words they read distinctly, clearly in the law of God and they gave the sense. What does this mean? What is this talking about? And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. That's what expositional preaching and teaching is about. That's what every local church ought to be doing. Really? Really? And, and for the vast number of you who checked out a number of churches and then you finally found JBC, it is unfortunate that you had to check out several churches before you finally found one that would teach the Word of God on a consistent basis, that would give the sense, that would explain it. It is really unfortunate. Because it should be happening in every local church. And that's part of our heart and part of our ministry is that we want to call the church back to this priority. We want to see every local church committed to this priority. And we want to establish more churches in the Louisville area with this priority because it is a need. When believers come to local churches... It is a priority that they hear the Word of God and that the sense of it is given and that the understanding of the text is given and explained. So therefore, we see a great need to reach out to believers, those who confess Christ and say, If you need a church home where the Word of God is taught, where you can be fed the Word of God, where you can be nurtured in the Word of God, where the Word of God is explained, and you're encouraged to do that, come here. Not because we're the only one, but we're definitely one, and we're committed to that priority. Because it's vital that believers are growing in the Word of God, growing in their understanding of the faith, because that affects, ultimately, our witness in our service for Christ. And believers who are in a situation where the word of God is becoming more superficial and is being diminished, ultimately they're going to lose their witness. Their church will not so much be about God and Christ and the priorities he has established as it will about whatever agenda items they push forward and think are important as a local assembly. This is a priority. And so they gathered to hear the explanation of God's word. And we see a, a parallel passage. I shouldn't say parallel, but a, an application of that principle in the church. As Paul uh, spoke to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, <coughs> verses 12 through 14. He said to Timothy, Let no one despise your youth." So obviously, uh, Timothy was a young man ever looked upon as young in that culture, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, Timothy, do these things. These are priority, Timothy. Do these things in the local church to which you are pastoring. Till I come, give att- attention to what? To what? The reading of It doesn't mean just reading anything and everything. He's talking about the reading of God's word. In in, in the presence of the assembly of the saints, make this a priority. Read God's word. To exhortation, that's preaching God's word, teaching God's word, and to doctrine. What we need in, in the local church is exhortation and doctrine in the reading of God's word. We don't need messages that are primarily aimed at at motivating us and getting us emotionally stirred. We don't need that as followers of Jesus Christ. We need doctrine. And that has been pushed down and diminished. There are those who speak of doctrine as though it's something that is detrimental. In phrases like, well, doctrine divides. No, doctrine doesn't divide. Doctrine is truth. Doctrine is teaching that God has given us. People divide. But the the problem, the culprit, is not the truth that God's given us. So when you hear that kind of a phrase, let your antennas go up. Or if you only have one antenna, let it go up. But really, Paul said to Timothy, keep that focus. Give attention to the reading of Scripture, the exhortation of Scripture, and to doctrine. We we should have a hunger for doctrine. We should have hunger for knowing the, the doctrine that God has revealed, to know it rightly and accurately and correctly for the purpose of living it. That's what exhortation is about. Third, they gathered to rejoice in God's word. Back in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see in verses 9 and 10 this interesting dialogue. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. So look somber, sit down all day and meditate. No, it's interesting. It's holy to the Lord. Do not mourn nor weep. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept. Why did they weep? why did they weep? Because what they heard from God's word was telling them that they had so miserably sinned against their God. Not that they had just failed. They had sinned. They had transgressed against God. And that's why their people were in the position they were in. That's why their city was in the situation it was in. That's why their temple needed to be rebuilt. It's because of their transgressions, the transgressions of their fathers. And they wept. Because they not only saw the transgressions of their fathers, but they saw some of those same transgressions in their own lives, and they wept as they heard the word of God. Because finally, finally, after decades, decades, the word of God was opened up and read and explained so they could understand. And they wept. And so they were weeping. Verse 10, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat. Now that doesn't sound too great to us, but in, in Middle Eastern culture, that's a delicacy. So just understand that. You don't have to relate to it, you just have to understand it. When we were in uh, ust Russia, last summer, they shared with us one of the delicacies that they have and it was fat, and prepared in a special way. But it was fat, and they wanted us to try it because they knew that it's not necessarily a delicacy for us. We tried it. It was not a delicacy. (laughs) (laughs) But I understood it was a delicacy to them. So he said, eat the fat. Drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the context of that statement. They were weeping over their sin, and that that weeping was sincere repentance. It was a sincere expression of their sorrow over their sin. God saw that. And that rejoice the heart of God, he says, this day is holy, you're responding to my word, rejoice. The joy of the Lord is your strength. As you deal with the sorrow of your sin, God's joy can then come, and that is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, be still, for the day is holy, do not be grieved. So as we come together around God's word, it ought to be a great time of rejoicing. This past week at the IFCA convention, it was my privilege to finally meet a a young man that I was connected to on Facebook through some prior acquaintances of mine that we've maintained friendship over the years. You don't know them. But that was a connection. He's from Uganda, a pastor there of a small church in Uganda. And this was his very first trip to the United States and very first experience at the IFCA convention. As the word of God was preached in the various breakout sessions and in the general sessions, he was glued. He was glued and he was, his hands were together often like this and, and expressions of, of joy and gladness because he was hearing the word of God. And, and why was that? Because in Uganda, they rarely hear that. They rarely hear a pastor who, ex, who expounds the Word of God. And, and these men were standing before him, and he was hearing the Word of God explained. And For, for those of us who have had lots of exposure to expository preaching and teaching, we weren't having those kind of reactions. And, and I'm not saying we should have, necessarily, but it, it just stood out to me. And then as I talked to him later... Um, And that's part of an interview that I posted on Facebook if you want to watch it. It's just so genuine and he was so happy and so joyous that he was hearing the word of God. That's what is being expressed in verses 9 and 10. When we come together, let's come with that thankfulness that the Word of God is being opened. Not not that a certain individual is opening the Word of God, but that the Word of God is being opened. That we're being exposed to the Word of God, the wonderful, blessed truths of God's Word. Maybe hunger for it. Is there a missing element in the American church today of of rejoicing and hungering in the word of God when local assemblies come together? I think in a lot of places that's true. For they gathered to consistently hear God's word. We drop down toward the the, the very end of the chapter, that they were in uh, the feast... And so they were there for several days. And we come to verse 18. It says, also day by day, from first day. What do you think first day speaks of? Any ideas? From first day. What do you think that is? Hint, morning. (laughs) From first day until the last day, from morning to evening, and from every day that they were there, he read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. So for seven days, all day long they were exposed to the word of God, and the word of God was exposited to them. And this was a yearly feast. Finally, they were getting themselves back to the Word of God, back to the the law that God had given through Moses, back to what they needed as a people. But they were doing it consistently at this time, and it was to be consistent as prescribed going forward. Every week wasn't a feast week, so it wasn't that same format, but they were to have that consistent exposure to God's Word and the consistent exposition of God's Word through the Levites so that they would understand and live according to the commands and exhortations of God. So that's what they did, and by application, God has called us to consistently gather together to hear the Word of God. We gather together here as believers to worship our Lord. Part of that worship is giving attention to the word of God, an important part of that worship, giving attention to what God has said in his word. An important part of that worship is what we've done already, is lifting our voices with the capabilities and capacities that God has given us to render worship and praise through music. But it's, it's echoing truth back to God and rejoicing in Him and in the truth and in the realities that He has achieved in our lives through Christ Jesus and through the gospel. But we must consistently come. So this needs to be a priority of every local church by way of application. Just as God's people in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant people, needed consistent exposure to God's Word. We read in the New Covenant, the church, that God's people, those who comprise the church, need the consistent exposure to God's Word and need that consistent exposition of God's Word. So, since I've been at the IFCA convention all week, we conclude with this statement, which is true. We, we are part of a unique fellowship. We really are. And it really stood out even more this week for ver- various reasons. But it's because of the IFCA ministry that this church is here. So the IFCA is a ministry organization that networks independent churches Ministry organizations, such as mission organizations, camps, colleges, Bible colleges and universities, seminaries, and individuals with a clear commitment to expository preaching and teaching. The IFCA, the glue of it, is a common doctrinal (laughs) theological statement. That is our glue. That is the glue of this structure So you can take these various components of local independent churches, ministry organizations, and individuals who annually agree and affirm that doctrinal statement so that you have an assurance that people who are committed to this network have the same mind and the same faith that you possess. And that is so hugely valuable. And their commitment is to expository preaching and teaching. That is one of our values as a fellowship, as an organization of uh, that combines independent churches and ministry organizations, individuals. That is a value. Using a consistent, and this is important, literal, grammatical, historical, contextual interpretation of the Scriptures. And we say consistent because there are those... Uh, Traditions in, in Christianity that don't follow a consistent application known as Reformed and Covenant churches that are embraced in Reformed and Covenant theology. A lot of it is, is consistent with Scripture, but when you get to particular areas of Scripture, they switch to another hermeneutic. And so they, they don't have a correct understanding of eschatology, of in things, of return of Christ and all that Scripture says because they interpret that with a different hermeneutic. They don't have a consistent hermeneutic. So therefore they cannot consistently exposit the Word of God in that vast area of Scripture. A third of Scriptures deal with prophetic truths and realities. That's, that's a huge amount. And we can know that within this ministry organization of the IFCA that there's a consistent commitment to these realities and to this approach of interpreting the scriptures but that's all driven by what the scriptures say whether it's looking at old testament examples such as nehemiah new testament exhortations that a few that we looked at this morning this is important and missing in the church today, not only in America, but as briefly given testimony of, in Africa, is a thorough teaching, expository preaching and teaching of God's Word that is necessary for our growth as followers of Christ. So I'm thankful that God has blessed me and blessed us with being part of a fellowship that is committed to these priorities. And it's a worldwide fellowship. And I thank God for that. And we want to be used by God to call the church back to these priorities. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the blessing and the privilege of being together here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Thank you for all the rich and wonderful truths that you've given us in your word. Lord, help us to be a people that consistently come together around you and your word for the purpose of understanding it, for the purpose then of living it and applying it in our lives and communicating it to those around us. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.